You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I'm getting a bit of an early start on the podcast today because the family's gone. I just got home. It is just about 3 o'clock, so I think it's safe to assume, safe to assume Aaron Rodgers will not be opting out. It would be kind of awkward if that happens right after I finish this podcast, but I'm not expecting that to happen. Seems as though we got the all clear. So, again, the options are he's planning to come back at some point or he's planning to wait out the Packers and assume they're going to trade him and see how that works out. I don't really know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just tired of speculating on it, and I don't want to talk about it much anymore. Unless there's new information, I've, I've covered it a thousand different ways. I did actually just uh, ask for more questions for the podcast. It's going to be a busy weekend and whatnot, and I know a lot of you guys are going to be busy, and the numbers are probably going to be down. Um, but for that reason, if you have any questions, it'll really help me to be able to keep the content coming over the weekend because it's just, I mean, it's just, it's a tough, July is tough. And we've really got, what, uh, one, two, three, three and a half weeks until training camp. And, and unless anything big happens with Devontae or Rodgers or anything else, um, we've got about three weeks to fill. So any and all questions, and I mean any and all questions, please hit me up uh, because we've got to scrape through this. But once that last week of July hits, man, it's fast and furious. You know, July, the last week of July, you got training camp, and then August is all football, and it's just... It's kind of crazy because it, it, it feels like we're in the depths of the offseason, and we are, but we're not at the midway point of the offseason. We're just at the most dead time. We're actually getting very close to football time. I mean, for those of you that are listening to this podcast on July 2nd, I'm assuming you're pretty hardcore, so yes, football for you starts in just a matter of a few weeks. For a lot of other people, it doesn't start until kickoff on week one, but for you... I'm not talking to you who's being forced to listen to this by your husband who will not stop and you hate the sound of my voice. I'm not talking to you necessarily, but the guy that chose to make his family suffer through this podcast, for you, three weeks and we're, uh, we're back in action. So help me out with that. Might even be able to do some live ones if anybody's quick enough with their, uh, their trigger finger to ask a question before. Oh, we are, jeez, already got a question. Look at that. But anyways, before with David, David is just Johnny on the spot, man. David, if if I post something on Twitter, David's there. If I post something on Facebook, David is there. He is Johnny on the spot. But anyways, before we get to all of that, um, big, giant, massive shout-out to Mr. Luke Holm, who donated $100. Don't usually like to say the amount, but $100 from Luke to the Palmer Home for Children, which, again, is a... uh, Apparently, I told my wife about it. She said she... Took some classes in college about, um, you know, at-risk youth and whatnot, and Palmer Home is a pretty well-known and established thing. So there you go. But uh, they they take in children that need care, uh, whether that was because of some issues at home, trauma, etc., etc., and provide for them, nurture them, teach them, instruct them. And uh, Malcolm Reed, who is the barbecue guy I mentioned, 
took on a task of raising $20,000, which each of these homes houses eight people, which is the parents and the children. And it costs $20,000 to feed a family for an entire year. So he took on the task of raising $20,000. I am just one of the people that is helping him to get to that amount. In total, he's up to 16800 So he's almost there. And so, uh, again, just really, really appreciate. We got the anonymous donor, Daryl, Kyle, Stephen, and Luke so far have donated. And by the way, we did cross the $200 mark. And since we're doing $100 uh, increments for, you know, things to do, I'll be doing two different videos this weekend. I'm not entirely sure what, but I'm pretty sure Dexter Mac is going to be one of them, and then we'll do something else. But uh, 70 bucks to get us to the next one. I'm planning on putting in a little bit of my own money here pretty soon, so it'll be less than 70 to get us up to $300. And again, if we can be the top five in fundraising in this uh, group of fundraisers, then uh, I'm going to be taking the family on a little vacation to Memphis. So, But anyways... Did get somewhat of an update, not really much of one, but an update on the Devontae Adams situation. Apparently, uh, not too long after I published my episode talking about Devontae Adams' massive contract that is in the works, um, right on time, Devontae Adams apparently posts a baseball cap. For the old folks in the room, cap means basically you're full of it. Not really sure why, don't really care to find out. Now, there's really only two ways to... Re my first question is, is that really him? Which I assumed it was because, you know, people that know better were the ones posting it. But once you establish that it really happened, there's one of two things is going on. Number one, he's saying, nope, there are no conversations. Now, I mean, and that's to, that's to varying degrees. There could be zero communications or it could just be that it's not really close. The other way to look at this, and it's the way that I choose to look at it because it's uh, less drama and less depression, is that he's saying, no, we're not talking about highest paid wide receiver in football. That's not where the negotiations are at all. And really, that could kind of make sense, right? Let's just say, for example, that that's what you're arguing. Let's just say that you're Devontae Adams, and you and your agent have been fighting and scratching and clawing, saying, I should be the highest paid, I should be the highest paid, I should be the highest paid, and the Packers are like, no, dude. Like, they're stuck at 21, 22, and you're trying to get 26. Then all of a sudden, some reporter comes out and says the Packers are in discussions about making him the highest paid guy. It makes it seem like the Packers are trying to work out the details on how to make him the highest paid guy, and, and the Packers are the ones stonewalling it. Like, dude, we're not giving you that much. you got to come down a little bit. That would be a pretty good reason for Devontae to put cap there. It doesn't have to mean, no, there's no negotiation. We're not talking. Forget those guys. By the way... Frickin' pincher bug bit me on the leg. <laughs> I've never had one. He was like gnawing on my leg. It was like this weird twinge in my leg. I'm like, you know, you just get like little twinges once in a while. I was like, what the heck is that? And it just kept going and it started to feel like a burn. I'm like, what is going on? And then it dawned on me like, I feel, it kind of feels like I'm getting bit. So I, you know, you do that thing where it's like, I don't know if it's a bug or not, but I'm not going to just like poke my leg. So I just took my other foot and like smashed my leg because I'm like, if that's a spider or something, I don't know what it is. The second I touch it, it's got to be dead. I started bashing my own leg and sure enough, little pincher guy crawling around. He's kind of twitching. I hit him pretty good, but um, that was rude. You know, the last house, man, I got like a cricket, you know. I mean, there were these giant like centipedes down there, but they never bothered me. They never bit me or anything. They freaked me out. I think the worst is when I was sleeping down there and I saw one just scatter across the wall, like where the light was, and then disappear. And it's like, oh, great. 
but nothing ever bothered me. I I've recorded about five podcasts down here, and I got a freaking pincher bug just gnawing on my leg. Way to make me feel welcome. By the way, daughter got stung by a wasp. I'm not feeling very welcome by the wildlife around here. I'm I'm uh, not happy. I'm gonna go pay somebody to come out here and just exterminate. And that's not a good word because exterminate is like a professional term for getting. Um, I'm talking about like bug holocaust. How about that? You messed up, man. You stung my kid. You gnaw on my leg. Now you and your children are going to die. Rude. Dude, I, I've got about four daddy long legs just chill. I gently push them out of the way to try to get these little foam cushions up on my wall. Now they're all going to die. I don't, I don't feel good about it, but it has to happen. Because apparently the last owners of this house just, you know, let the bugs push them around, do whatever they want. That ain't going to fly. Anyways, try to be nice. Try to get along with the wildlife. If I see that rabbit outside, I'm going to punt him across the street. It's war now. This is war now. Anyways, that is my current assessment of the situation. It does I don't know what it means. But it kind of falls in line with what I said yesterday about all these messages he's sending out sounding to me like negotiation tactics. He's trying to pressure the Packers by saying, I'd be happy to go play for Carr. You know, I, I would be more than willing to, to move on. And he throws out the whole... You know, I'm a, I'm a Packer for now, but we'll see what happens thing. You know, I mean, technically I'm still a Packer, which is sort of throwing a bone, but it's also a backhanded bone, if that makes is Can you have, you can't, you can't have a backhand. You could. Now I'm picturing like a skeleton slapping somebody. That's, that's not really accomplishing much. Anyways, the point is, he seems to be trying to push the Packers in a certain direction. So a person in the media comes out, he says, hey, the Packers are ready to do this. And Devontae's like, dude, no, they're not. That's where I'm at with this. I don't think he just blasted on Instagram, yeah, I'm leaving. I don't think that happened. Anyways, I want to touch on uh, this tweet. It's a little bit old at this point, but Marcus Whitman on Twitter, I don't exactly know who he is, but he's got a good amount of followers on Twitter. Uh, over 9,000. He has almost 60,000 people on YouTube that watch his content. And um, he went on Twitter and said, if Aaron Rodgers went to the Broncos, that would be the best roster that Aaron Rodgers has ever had, ever. He went on from there to, you know, the apparently the question was asked, well, would it be the best receiving core he's played with? And that's when the, the big tweet came out. And he highlighted the Packers receivers and basically said yes, because all of all the Broncos guys are better than the old Packers guys, which, but somebody posted the picture of Aaron Rodgers with probably the deepest wide receiver group ever. Uh, I've mentioned before that the Packers had a number five wide receiver in Randall Cobb. It was absolutely ridiculous how deep this group was. He says, Sutton was better than Greg Jennings. Jerry Judy's better than Nelson. Fant is better than or is better than Finley was. KJ Hamler is better than Cobb. Tim Patrick, who I have no idea who that is, better is equal to James Jones, which is funny because he makes fun of somebody else for not knowing how to spell. He spelled it James J O M E S, and then he says driver was washed. Now look, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know who this person is. Let's just assume that I'm going to assume it's a Denver fan to cut him a little bit of slack. Because then you can at least say that he's being, you know, and, and again, if a Bears fan wants to say that Justin Fields is going to be great, he's got every right to say that a Bears fan is going to be great, or you know, that a Bears player is going to be great, because it's just what you do when you're a fan. But the fact that he's talking about the 15-1 Green Bay Packers, one of the greatest offenses that we've seen 
in football is less talented than the 5-11 Denver Broncos. And the only difference is Aaron Rodgers. The only difference. I'm so unbelievably sick of that stupidity. I'm so, so, so unbelievably sick of it. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Can you please explain to me how the Packers won six games in 2018 with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Explain how that happens if Aaron Rodgers takes a pile of crap and makes them 15-1. and one, and, and Why didn't they go 15-1 and one every year with the number one offense? Because it's not all Aaron Rodgers, you stupid peep. And it's Packer fans, too, that do this. It's just Rodgers. It's just Rodgers. Oh, he's never got... That, that, that's their retort when you say he's never got any help. What about this guy, this guy, this guy? Oh, they're all crap. It was all Rodgers. Okay, explain to me, then, why they went from 15 down to 11 down to 8. Why do they get worse? Why have they never been that good ever since? Why has the offense never been that good since? Including 2020 when Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, they didn't score as many points. Why is it in 2018 they went from six wins to 13 wins? Mr. Negative continue. It's so funny. He just recently said Aaron Rodgers, because of the whole Rodgers versus Love thing, Aaron Rodgers could get eight wins in his sleep. They won six games in 2018. Why? Mike McCarthy and, and Matt LaFleur are irrelevant. The weapons are irrelevant. The offensive line is irrelevant. The defense is irrelevant. The, the running backs are irrelevant. It's all Aaron Rodgers. It's all it's so stupid. You have to be so mentally challenged to believe that Aaron Rodgers is 98% of this offense. You have to be brain damaged. It's so stupid. It's 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 painful that that you even have to reduce yourself to even addressing these things. How in the world? And, and, and then the, the delusion on the other side that the Broncos are so unbelievably good that if Aaron Rodgers was there, they would have been 15-1 and one scoring 560 points. But of course, it would have been better. Because remember, Sutton is better than Greg Jennings. Judy is better than Nelson. Fant is better than Finley. K.J. Hamler. Now remember, K- I'm a huge K.J. Hamler fan. I wanted the Packers to draft him. He was trash. He was garbage. He was one of the worst wide receivers in football. I had to eat that and own that. But at least I ate it and I owned it. This guy will not. He says he's better than Randall Cobb in 2011. Are you out of your mind? Tim Patrick, still don't know who he is, equal, equal to James Jones. And Driver was washed. He says, got to remember, Aaron developed all these guys. That's so stupid. What do you mean developed them? Then he goes on to brag about the defense. Hey, dummy, 5-11, fourth in your own stupid division, 25th in points allowed, 21st in yards allowed. This defense is garbage. What are you talking about? Because he goes on to say, not to mention defense with the, the emoji with the crying tear. Like, I'm laughing so hard, I'm crying. What defense? Your defense sucks. Well, we didn't have Von Miller. <laughs> whoop de doo The year before, 7-9, seven, seven and 10th in points. You're not top 5. You're not top 3. You're not the number 1 defense. You're 10th and 12th in yards. That's basically average. I don't, I don't know if you know. There's 32 teams. If you're 10th, you're top 3. If you're 12th, you're pretty much mediocre. In 2018, the defense was 13th. And 22nd in yards allowed. It's not that good of a defense. The Packers last year were 13th and 9th. 
Nobody says the Packers have a good defense. Nobody says that except some Packer fans. That's it. Nobody cares about the Packers' defense. It was equivalent to the Broncos. Yeah, but in 2011, the Packers' defense sucked. 19th in points. It was worse. It, it you know, it, it, it was bad. It, it struggled a bit, aside from being number one in interceptions. But, I mean, they had their struggles, no questions. But the absolute insanity of it. So, I mean, we can get into the nuance of, of how all this stuff played out and, and go on to the one-to-one comparisons. But do you know where the Denver Broncos ranked in receiving via PFF? In just in receiving now. Because remember, all we need is a quarterback. All we need is a quarterback. We've got elite wide receivers. Okay, let's just look at wide receivers then. Where did PFF rank your receiving group? Were you first? No, that was the Vikings. Are you top five? Nope, nope. Titans, Bills, Chiefs, and 49ers, sorry. Top 10? Nope. Texans, Bucks, Raiders, Packers, and Seahawks were in the top 10. Top 15? No, no, no. Browns, Chargers, Falcons, Lions, Saints. Sorry, not quite. Well, they gotta be top 20. Elite! This would be the best group of receivers that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. Of course they're in the top 20. Nope. Colts, Dolphins, Rams, Cardinals, and Chicago Bears. Well, I mean, they're not bad, so clearly they're at least in the top 25. No, sorry, Cowboys, Bengals, Panthers, Jaguars, and Giants. Ah, shucks. But you know what? They were in the top 30. They ranked 29th. The only teams that sucked more at the receiving position, Washington football team, Jets, and Eagles. That's it. So let's look at these comparisons in a side-by-side comparison, all right? He flat out says Sutton better than Greg Jennings. He also likes to play this stupid game where sometimes he says 2011, sometimes he doesn't. So he's looking at the overall. Why does he want to look at overall? Because Greg Jennings was probably pretty dominant dominant in 2011. So he says, well, overall Sutton was better. But Judy, he wants to look specifically at 2011, right? So he's, he's playing these games, not going to play those games. So Cortland Sutton has only played three years. I like Cortland Sutton. He had a rough rookie year, but in year two, he kind of broke out, had an 83 overall grade and 1,100 yards. That's pretty solid. In 2020, he played one week. That's it. So we've seen one year of Cortland Sutton. We don't really know, but you're going to tell me that he's flat out better than Greg Jennings because of one year. Greg Jennings had four years in a row of over 1,000 yards, nearly five. He had 989 yards in 2011. It's possible that Cortland Sutton can have a better career than Greg Jennings, but it's not super likely. He played seven years for the Green Bay Packers. He had 70 overall grades from 2007 through 2014 when he had moved on to Minnesota. He did have 180 overall grade. Jerry Judy over Nelson is hilarious. Jerry Judy has played one year. He had a 65 overall grade. Well, he had a 64.8 receiving grade, 28.5 drop grade. I wonder why. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he dropped the ball a lot. I don't know. Maybe. Let's take a look. Oh, yeah. 12 drops on the season. 12. He had a 60.3 passer rating when targeted. 856 yards and three touchdowns. 12 drops. 60 passer rating when targeted. Contested catch rate, 41%. That's it. That's that's better than Jordy Nelson. And he tries to say, well, yeah, in 2011. Sorry, 2011 was one of his best years. It was graded as his third best year. He had 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns, tied for the most touchdowns. What in the heck are you talking about? 
it's 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 just ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's ridiculous. I listen. I'm optimistic about the 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 Detroit uh, the whatever. I'm so, I can't even think. The Denver Broncos. I've said I think they could just be a quarterback away. I like the defense. I like mostly the potential of the receiving group. This is stupidity. So I'm listening to his video. I don't want to even listen to the whole thing, but he did basically retract the Jordy Nelson thing. But again, he didn't. He doesn't have any information. He just tweeted stupid stuff. He didn't even look it up before he tweeted it. But he then goes on to say, I think it's close between Cortland Sutton and Jordy Nelson. Cortland Sutton and Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson was one of the top receivers in the NFL for many years. Cortland Sutton is not even talked about. And again, I think he's underrated. But this is stupid. He's had one year where he did pretty well. He was not good as a rookie. He had one good year and then nothing. How do you know he's going to even maintain that one good year? You don't know that. And look, the, the, the crazy thing is he's so close to a really good take here. If he just went through and said, let's just envision it, right? Cortland Sutton is a very, very good, young, talented wide receiver. Jerry Judy has about as high a ceiling and as much potential as anybody. And with, with you know, kind of like the Packers had, with all these other guys there, it makes everyone else a little bit more lethal. But Jerry Judy, great route runner. Noah Fant, real athletic, speedy, tight end. K.J. Hamler, sort of like that Randall Cobb role. He wasn't very good as a rookie, but man, in this offense with Aaron Rodgers, maybe he can get to that point. If he just said something like that, fine. But you targeted one of the best offenses ever. It's not the best, but it's up there, right? It ranks among the top offenses we've seen. And you say, oh, if we just slide Aaron Rodgers over to this garbage football team, they would be even better. It's such a ridiculous slap in the face to all the guys that contributed to the Green Bay Packers, not just this crew, but he says the greatest group that he's ever played with. So it's every single group, every single offense, including this past offense that was also number one. It just dumps on every single player that contributed. Aaron Jones is being dumped on. He's slapping Devontae right in the mouth. This entire offensive line, guys like David Bakhtiari, guys like Josh Sitton, who who have just been absolute monsters and making sure that these offenses were as elite as they were. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers would agree with this. The amount of guys that have come in, thanks to people like Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekunst, who have brought in great players. Guys like Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur. Mike McCarthy kind of lost his edge, but those guys really implemented some incredible game plans to make sure that this is as good as it was. And and Whitman, or whatever his name is, just comes out and is like, oh, it's all Rodgers. It's just all Rodgers. I mean, these guys were okay, but it's, it's all Rodgers. It's such a stupid take. It's such a stupid take. And again, th- th- this is the same line that you hear all the time. Any receiver that leaves, they go somewhere else and they're garbage. That's how you know that they were never that good. No stupid. The fact that the Packers let him go proves that they weren't good anymore. It proves that the Packers are right to let them go. We saw Jordy Nelson start to slip the year before they let him go, and you can see that on PFF, and he's even citing PNF, PFF and playing stupid like he doesn't know. I just said that he continued to be good in Minnesota before he officially fell off. Jordy Nelson, let me just read the grades to you so you understand this. Uh, let's start in 2009. 76, 74, 85, 75, 86, 86, 82, 68. 68 was his last year with Green Bay, and they let him go off to Las Vegas. He had a 70 overall grade. He did better with the Raiders than he did in 2017 with the Packers. Well, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay, let's try this again then, because you won't stop with Greg Jennings. 
Starting at his peak in 2009, 75, 77, 72, 73, 71, 53. The drop-off came in 2012, right? 80, 75, 78, basically. So he's hovering in that range. And then in 2012, he drops down to a 72. That's the lowest he's ever been graded since his rookie year at a 63. So they let him walk to Minnesota, and he maintained that level. He didn't fall off when he went to Minnesota. His grade in 2012 with the Packers was 72. In Minnesota, it was 73-71. He maintained that range. Then he went to Miami and completely fell off 53 overall grade. He didn't fall off after he left. He fell off in his last year in Green Bay. The Packers moved on from him, and, and it just he stayed down at that lower level. And again, the Packers have historically been very good at getting rid of guys the year before they fall off. Look at Mike Daniels, same thing. Why would you let Mike Daniels go? He's still a good football player. He leaves, he goes somewhere else, he's not very good. That's not because he's elite with the Packers. The Packers are just right that he doesn't have it anymore. It's another tired trope. Well, when guys leave, then they're no good anymore. Okay, explain all those tight ends that came in that were just worse by the time they got here. Why, why, are these, why did um, Jimmy Graham not get better when he came here? Why did Martellus Bennett get worse when he came here? Jimmy Graham got worse when he came here. Jared Cook got better when he went to New Orleans. Aaron Rodgers doesn't magically make you elite. Leaving Aaron Rodgers doesn't magically make you terrible. The fact that people want to compare, you know, 2009 Greg Jennings with 2014 Minnesota Vikings Greg Jennings and say, see, he was an 80 in 2009, then he goes to Minnesota, he's a 71. You're missing the entire gradual decline and ultimate fall off in 2012, and the fact that, again, in Minnesota, he stayed at that level, that lower level with Minnesota, before he officially completely fell off. If, if The point is, if they still had it, the Packers wouldn't have let them go. Same with Randall Cobb. Well, Randall Cobb left, and then what happened? Dude, Randall Cobb fell off in 2015. He was with Green Bay through 2018. He had three really good years, 2012, 2013, 2014. So in those years, his grades were 79, 78, 84. He dropped off to a 68. He had a slight rebound to a 74. And then in 2017 and 2018, 64 overall grade with 600 yards and four touchdowns. And then a 60 overall grade with 300 yards and two touchdowns. And the Packers said, enough. He went to Dallas and then he went to Houston. So what do people do? Oh, look, he goes to Dallas and he's no good anymore. And then he goes to Houston. Now, look, he can't do anything anymore. Burr, 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 burr. Uh, actually, 60. he had a 70 overall grade with Dallas which is better than he was in 2017 and 2018. And with Houston, 71 overall grade. That would rank as one of his better years after 2014, his second best year he's ever had. So it's not true. It's not true that these guys are elite football players. The Packers are just stupid. They're like, I hate good football players. And they cut these dominant wide receivers and then they go leave and they're just terrible because they don't have Godgers throwing to them. That's not the reality. That's not true. That's not what's happening. That's revisionist history. That's nonsense. It's stupidity. That's not real. But anyway, so then he swapped them because he's like, okay, well, we'll put Nelson against Sutton and say that Nelson's better, but it's close. No, it's not. Then he swaps and puts Greg Jennings with Judy and he says, Greg Jennings was fine, but he wasn't that good. Judy is definitely better. No, he's not. Now, Judy has a ton of potential and he may become better. That's fine. Judy was not good as a rookie. And the fact that you're comparing a subpar disappointment of a wide receiver to Greg Jennings and saying Judy is better is stupid. And I get that you're getting a ton of attention, right? You're getting a ton of attention. You're probably growing your channel. You're growing all this stuff. There's no press is bad press kind of thing. This is stupid. And it makes you look and sound stupid. 
And essentially he says, well, obviously he would just make him better. Again, that's so dumb. Aaron Rodgers would come in and just make him better, right? He would just make him not drop 12 passes. That's what would happen. Oh, I can't handle it. By the way, if you have drop issues, Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw to people he doesn't trust. If you can't catch the ball, he's not going to get the ball. He just won't even look at him. Now, he does say that Fant is better than Finley and goes on to say Finley was always a better concept than he was an actual player. And that's true. And I've been saying that on this podcast for a long time. People go back and talk about how elite Finley was. No, he wasn't. I, again, every single year, I remember hearing, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. He's so talented. He has so much potential. This is going to be his big breakout year. And it never really came. The problem is that doesn't mean he was bad. In his six years, he had one year in the 70s, two years in the 80s. Noah Fant has played two years. His highest was a 71.2 overall grade. He had 673 yards and three touchdowns. That's not that impressive, right? 2011, Jermichael Finley had 800 yards and eight touchdowns. That's just 2011. Now, that is his most amount of touchdowns, his second most amount of yards, but even in 2009, when he had an 82 overall grade, which is higher than Noah Fant, 845 and five touchdowns. And again, I'm acknowledging he never met his full potential. He never did. He had, he had drop issues and all kinds of stuff. He never really quite reached his full potential, but he was better than Noah Fant. Noah Fant, exact same situation. He was taken high. He was expected to be this elite prospect. He had a really, 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 really bad rookie season, 52 overall grade, 61 receiving grade, horrific pass blocker, by the way, which is another dynamic. We're just talking about receiving. Jermichael Finley was a very good blocker. Noah Fant is a garbage blocker. So, Noah Fant isn't quite as good of a receiver as Jermichael is, and he's a garbage blocker. So, so what are we talking about? And, and we've only seen two years. And again, all we can say is, well, okay, but if you look at the potential and then if you infuse Aaron Rodgers, if you're just going to say if we just put Aaron Rodgers there, it makes everybody better, that's fine. But I can do that with half the teams in the NFL right now. Imagine the 49ers with Aaron Rodgers. Let me tell you this, they'd be a lot better than the Broncos, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, with Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'm trying to say. The Raiders. The Raiders. 100%. They have a phenomenal running back. A elite tight end. Much better than Noah Fan. They've got a uh, rookie wide receiver that I believe was taken before Judy. Ruggs. Very, very fast. Who was terrible. But, again, the magic of Aaron Rodgers makes everybody elite. He's going to be a number one wide receiver in no time. This is, this is lazy thinking. And again, K.J. Hamler compared to Randall Cobb in 2011. I mean, come on. Well, he was a rookie and he wasn't that good yet. Okay, first of all, 66 overall grade isn't terrible, especially when you compare that to a 55 overall grade from K.J. Hamler, one of the worst wide receivers in football. He had 381 yards and three touchdowns. And that's not because he was buried at number five or even number six, if you factor in the tight end, on the depth chart. That's not why. Also, let's just completely ignore the fact that Randall Cobb was one of the most dynamic punt and kick returners in the NFL right out of the gate. Let's just ignore that. Yeah, KJ Hamler's better. No chance. And he it's funny because he even says, you know, I, I would take uh, KJ Hamler going into year two rather than uh, Randall Cobb, who was relegated to kick return because he couldn't really get on the roster. And why couldn't he get on the field very much? Why couldn't he get on the field? Is it because there were a bunch of really talented guys in front of him? And why did... Uh, K.J. Hamler not have as much trouble. Why did K.J. Hamler have almost double the amount of opportunities? It's because there isn't as much talent in front of K.J. Hamler. That's why. Even though K.J. Hamler is nowhere near as dynamic as Randall Cobb, they still felt the need to push him out there for over 500 snaps. 
And then he he gets real mad because he's he's talking about Tim Patrick, who nobody knows, um, against uh, what was it, James Jones. He says, "What are you guys blind?" So in three years, Tim Patrick, who is an undrafted free agent, right? Packers get these guys all the time. They're six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, undrafted free agent. Everybody loves them because they show these flashes. 60 overall grade as a rookie, 66 in 2019, 74 in year three, right? So he finally makes it, he's, he's sort of similar to like Alan Lazard, I guess, right? Undrafted free agent that finally had a good year, 742 yards and six touchdowns. So Jones didn't necessarily grade out super well, but to compare a guy who pretty regularly had more yards than that, 2007, 10, 13, 12, and 15, as a, what was he? maybe a number two at some times. 2012, 922 yards and 15 touchdowns. And look, if you're you're saying I'm cherry picking, fine, but so is he. I'm taking James Jones at his best against Tim Patrick at his best. Who? Look, it's just just silly. And again, he plays the Aaron Rodgers card. Look, I understand that he led the league in touchdowns once, but I mean, he had Aaron Rodgers. That's his whole, let's just be honest, that's his entire argument. Aaron Rodgers made all these guys elite players. And if he came to Denver, he'd make all our guys elite players instead of being pretty average. The fact of the matter is the only guy that's a better that's better than just good. And by the way, again, Alan Lazard is good. I'm talking better than Alan Lazard level is Sutton. That's it. Judy is not. Fant is not. Hamler is not. Patrick is not. That's the reality. This, this whole thing is a joke. And again, I, I'm, I'm so angry, but I'm really close to agreeing. If he just didn't attack one of the best offenses with such a stupid argument. It's so stupid and lazy. But this is what happens when you dig in with a stupid argument and then just double down on it. And you keep digging that hole and digging that hole. It's it's ridiculous. His entire argument, and he says it based on every single one of these things, is based on the fact that, okay, but they had Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, fine, James Jones is better than Tim Patrick because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Randall Cobb is better than KJ Hamler, but Maybe not necessarily as a rookie, even though it is as a rookie. But if with Aaron Rodgers, it would make the difference. Okay, maybe Finley was slightly better than Fant, but with Aaron Rodgers, it would change that. Okay, Greg Jennings maybe was better than Judy, but if, if Judy had Aaron Rodgers, then, then it would be better. Yeah, I mean, Nelson is better than Sutton, but it's close. And I think if you put Aaron Rodgers over there, it would make the difference. That's the whole lazy, stupid argument. And again, everybody can make that argument. How much? The Vikings. Are you kidding me? The Vikings have a much better claim to that. They have the best wide receiver. They actually have really, they have maybe the best wide receiver in football, depending on if he can maintain that level. But you want to talk about young guys with actual talent? The Vikings have two wide receivers better than any wide receiver that the Denver Broncos have. Their running back is better than anybody that the Denver Broncos have. The defense is arguably better than the Denver Broncos. So what do you say about Aaron Rodgers going over there? And here's the thing. Does, is that roster going to be better than any roster Aaron Rodgers has ever played for? No, but it's going to be really freaking good if he went to the Vikings. And they'd be better than the Packers, and they'd be better than a lot of teams, and they'd have a real shot at winning a Super Bowl. That's a reality. Same is true for the Raiders. Same is true for the Broncos. Same is absolutely true of the 49ers to varying degrees. But here's the thing. The Broncos are low on that list. I can tell because they rank low in just about every category. Not just their record. Because if I say record, well, it's because they have a bad quarterback. Okay, well, they ranked, uh, let's see, 22nd in pass blocking. Is that the quarterback's fault? 29th in receiving, which is hilarious. Is that the quarterback's fault? 11th in rushing. You know, not bad, but, you know, whatever. 28th in run blocking. 
Yeah, that right there is the best Aaron Rodgers has ever seen ever, except almost every year that Aaron Rodgers has ever played football. If you don't include any year ever that Aaron Rodgers has played football, this is definitely the best he's ever seen. Come on. It's just, it's, it's silly. It's just stupid. Anyways, I guess we better take a break here. Again, please remember to check out the Palmer Home. You can find that on Twitter and Facebook. Just go there and find the Facebook group. It'll be the top post. Go to my Twitter. It'll be the top post. Or just reach out to me directly. If you don't feel like filling out all that paperwork, you can send me the money directly, and um, I will send 100% of that over to the Palmer Home with your name, your designation as the donor, and we can do it that way. If you want to support me personally, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I also wanted to look a little bit at the whole Trubisky versus Fields thing. And I, I kind of, I wanted to save the post and then I lost it. Let me see if I can search for it real quick here. So I, it, it's nothing really that, um, I'm not really wanting to argue with anybody, but it just, it kind of prompted something. So Tim posted in the Facebook group, I don't get the Bears fans excitement about Fields. Why would they think that an organization that has proven that they don't know how to evaluate draft and develop a quarterback selects a quarterback from a college program that has never produced a legit playoff, legit playoff quality quarterback since uh, suddenly got it right with field? So I think that's somewhat fair and, and somewhat not, right? I mean, for example, uh, Mr. Negative has been throwing it in my face that Brian Gutekunst has been terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. That's how he knows that Jordan Love won't be good. That's not really fair. And I kind of threw back at him, explained to me David Bakhtiari and Derek Sherrod using that same log- logic, right? First round bust equals bad at evaluating a certain position equals mid-round offensive tackle, really good at football. So wait a minute. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. That's it. And if you take enough swings, sometimes you get lucky. Uh, Jeremy went on to say that all indications point to him being pretty good. Uh, could he have gotten wrong? Sure, but maybe they did get it right. So that that's pretty much where I stand on right? I don't know. He seemed pretty good in college. I kind of disagree with the first sentence a little bit about all indications point to because, I mean, look, if you're a first round pick, all indications are that you're going to be awesome. And the fact of the matter is most of these guys are not going to be awesome. But yeah, it it could go either way. Uh, Jeff kind of, and this is where a lot of people want to point to a different. And so I I just wanted to look at it, but Jeff goes on to say Fields was an excellent college quarterback and is projected to do quite well in the pros. Fair, but slightly misleading. He said he's going to be the best the Bears have had in a long time, which given the low bar, it's possible, but it's certainly not a guarantee. And then Brandon says he's vastly different than Trubisky, which I don't necessarily find to be true. And again, we'll look at 
says he is much more accurate than any of the aforementioned names were in college. And then he says, don't helmet scout, which is a fair assessment. So anyways, look, the bottom line is I think Bears fans are silly for being over overreacting and saying, I know he's going to be good, but it's what you're supposed to do when you're a fan. But I also think people are kind of being ridiculous by saying, you know, they're going to be garbage because the Bears picked them. So let's just look right now at Trubisky versus um, Justin Fields, because I think there's a little bit of misremembering about Mitch Trubisky because we all saw him be really terrible. It, it, it kind of reminds me of the Brett Favre situation, right? Brett, people forget how elite Brett Favre was because of how things ended, right? He ended terribly. His stats were not as good. And then obviously there were the off the field thing. And so people see him as just kind of a goof that, you know, at one point threw a lot of touchdowns or something. No, he was, he was one of the best. And although it's fair to make fun of the Bears for missing so badly on Mitch Trubisky, it's unfair to act like everybody knew that he was going to be trash and that he wasn't actually that good in college. That's not reality. Now, I will say, if I had to pick between the two, I'm taking Justin Fields. Outside of, you know, helmet scouting, you know, I'm taking him. And, and, but the biggest reason, and if you read the, the scouting reports, this is what most people said. There were, there were two major critiques of Mitchell Trubisky. Number one, we didn't really get a, lot, a chance to see a lot of him in college. 2016 was really his only year where he played a ton. But his last two years, his grades in college, 91.2 and 88.5. Justin Fields, three years, and he started two of them, um, 90, 91, and 93. The biggest differences here are of the three years that they both played, Mitch Trubisky had one real bad year at North Carolina, 46 overall grade, and Justin Fields didn't, and that Mitch Trubisky played one full year in two smaller years, and Justin Fields played two big years in one smaller year. Otherwise, the grades were very similar. I mean, you, could, you obviously give the nod to Justin Fields, 91 and 93, compared to 91 and 88, but it's negligible. If you look at the statistics... Mitch Trubisky, 4,700 yards, 41 touchdowns, and uh, 10 interceptions. Justin Fields' career, 5,767 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. As far as their their uh, final years, their big years, uh, Mitch Trubisky, 3,700 yards, 30 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Justin Fields, 2,098 yards, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. So Trubisky had more yards more touchdowns, and they have the same amount of interceptions. So statistically, Mitch Trubisky was better. Grade-wise, Justin Fields was better. And if you break down the big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays, that's where Justin Fields... And, and down the line, I think this is where Justin Fields kind of takes over the reins. Um, big-time throws, 5.5% for Mitch Trubisky, 7.8% for Justin Fields. 3.7% uh, of Mitch's plays were turnover-worthy, 34 career average. Um, Justin Fields, 2.3%, 2.2 career average. So very cautious with the football. He kind of actually, I've, I've always said Justin Fields, and I know it's a stupid comparison, but the only thing that comes to mind is Aaron Rodgers, largely because he's very cautious with the football. In 2019, when I saw 41 touchdowns and three interceptions, I said, okay, this is going to get my Aaron Rodgers comp right here. To be fair, there was one Mitch Trubisky play that I watched back before the Bears drafted him, and I was like, dude, that looked like Aaron Rodgers. So don't be too scared about me saying Justin Fields looks like, or statistically is like Aaron Rodgers or whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Um, I mean, we can go on down the line, but the only real area where Mitch Trubisky kind of seemed to be better, and it's kind of a weird thing, but um, screen passes. Justin Fields is terrible with screen passes. He grades out terribly with screens, and all passes behind the line of scrimmage, he has horrible grades. So I don't know what that's about, but again, it's mostly negligible. 
Mitch Trubisky graded out very, very well. Every, um, you know, depth of the field, behind the line of scrimmage, short passes, medium passes, and deep passes. He had a 90 overall grade on medium passes, 90.4 overall on deep passes. It's a good football player. And if we're going to try to nitpick and say, yeah, but the but Justin Fields is slightly better, that's how you know he's going to be elite and Mitch Trubisky was a joke. You don't know that. There's nothing about Mitch Trubisky and what he did in college that would tell you that that was a stupid pick, other than the lack of information. Oh, the, the other critique, I didn't say what it was. So the first critique, he only played one year. The second is that he didn't beat out the other quarterback the year prior. But that could be a North Carolina. Again, he graded out really, really well. In fact, if we go back to 2015, Marquise Williams, he won the job. He had an 82 overall grade. Mitch Trubisky had a 91. So Williams won the job. He, I mean, he's a, he's a more athletic quarterback, so they obviously wanted to go that route. Maybe he had more experience. I don't know exactly what the situation was. But Mitch did grade out better. So when he, when people evaluate him and they say, well, he couldn't beat him out. Yes, he could. He, he did a great job. The, the coaches decided to give it to Williams instead of Trubisky. But if that's not doing it for you, then fine. I think the one a, a legitimate comparison would be Tua, right? He, he played three years. The first year he didn't play as much, but the second two years he did. In, the, in his second two years, it was a 90.1 and a 90.3, right in that same range. Great runner. Doesn't matter what depth of the field, although behind the line of scrimmage is his biggest weakness, similar to Justin Fields. And he may still become a good quarterback, but he did not have a good rookie year. And all reports out of camp are not overly promising. So there are no guarantees. And again, it was the same thing with Tua. Everybody knew 100% he was going to be great. Everybody knew it because of how good he was in college. Everybody just knew it until they don't play well. And then everyone just acts like they didn't just blast all over the place that they knew he was going to be good. And I, listen, I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be bad. By, by every indication, he should be good. But there's, there, there is no way to know for sure. If there was, he would have gone number one overall. There's no way to know for sure. There's just too many variables. You just got to wait and see what happens, right? Johnny Football was some great, marvelous, amazing thing. Didn't play all that well, though. You know, I mean, 2018, Jalen Hurts was the number one quarterback in football. Kyler Murray was number two in terms of PFF grade. He's been decent. Will Greer was the fourth highest graded passer. You know, 2016, it was Baker Mayfield, number one, Mason Rudolph, number two. What does that mean? I don't know. Sam Darnold played two years and played pretty well. He wasn't in the 90s, but he was in the 80s. Graded out well. Everybody thought for sure, you know, super, you know, intellectual guy, real smart, talented. He's got it. He can make all the throws or whatever nonsense they were saying about it. He's not good. It's, and, and again, it's not because everybody knew he wouldn't be good. Mason Rudolph in college, he played four years. Three years he played more regularly. His grades were 91, 91, and 88. Very similar to Tua and Justin Fields. He didn't get drafted until the third round, and he's not very good. And he took a helmet to the head because, you know, it happens. So, you know, any version of analysis of Justin Fields at this point is kind of silly. It just is, right? Justin Fields did what he did in college. You either liked him or you didn't based on your evaluation of him. And he slipped in the draft for a reason, right? There's a reason he did. And the Bears really liked him, so they traded up to get him. And remember, the Bears are desperate for a quarterback. So if you wonder, well, they must have seen something, so they traded up. It's not so much that I don't trust their evaluation. It's the fact that I know that they're desperate. Everybody else is willing to let them slide. These guys who are doing everything in their power to get, you know, Deshaun Watson, doing everything in their power to get Russell Wilson, including meeting him in some diner in uh, in North Dakota, 
doing everything in their power then when that all falls through to get Andy Dalton, including promising him to be the starter because they're so desperate to just get anybody. And then in the draft, they finally have an opportunity to actually get up and get one of these top names and they're so excited to do it that they do it. I don't think it necessarily means that this guy's a top five player that slipped to him and everyone else is an idiot and the Bears are great. Now, he may still be very good, but I just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Just like I didn't know with Trubisky, just like I didn't know with any of the, like Josh Rosen. I didn't know. No idea. I like Josh Rosen. I thought he'd be good. He wasn't. He's not. We'll see. I don't, I have no idea. Best of luck to him. Seems like a good dude. Hope for his sake he gets traded and then succeeds elsewhere. Not with the Bears. That's all I got. I, I you know, but anyways, I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.